we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Harvey Risch, Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health. Today, we are continuing our weekly series with various interesting and accomplished people. Our discussions have generally been on science and COVID topics, but can go wherever our conversations might lead. And if listeners have questions for me, please submit them at americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse, P-U-L-S-E. I'm very pleased to introduce today's guest, Mr. Steve Kirsch. Mr. Kirsch received both Bachelor of Science and Master of Science degrees in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science from MIT and used his knowledge and genius to invent the optical computer mouse, a product used universally all over the world. Until the COVID pandemic, Mr. Kirsch started several companies in computer products and applications. But when the pandemic hit, he founded the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund to fund research into off-label treatments for COVID-19 among drugs that already had FDA approval for other diseases, and subsequently the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation to study the benefits and risks of the COVID vaccines. So, Steve, let's begin. What have you been thinking about lately? (laughs) Oh, Harvey, hey, um, thanks so much um, for having me on your show, and, and thanks for uh, all the kind advice that you've given me uh, over the years since I began my career as a uh, misinformation super spreader. In fact, I'm the number <laughs> one hit on Google. Uh, if you typed in misinformation super spreader, I'm number one. So, you know, it's nice to be the best in the world at, at something. <laughs> so, right. Uh, so I have, uh, I figured out early on that these COVID vaccines were unsafe. And I figured it out, not because I'm um, really smart, uh, but it because I got lucky. Uh, I, I, I had uh, one of my Twitter followers send me a note saying that three of her relatives had died a week after they got the vaccine and they were perfectly healthy before then. And, and I said, because well, um, she was asking me, um, uh, she was asking me if the vaccines were safe. And I said, of course they're safe. You know, they're, they're the safest things ever. The FDA has assured us and they're as super tested. And, and she was, and I asked her why she asked. And so she told me the story and I, I didn't know her. And so I said, after she told me th- uh, three deaths of uh, a week after getting the vaccine, I said, th- I said, that's impossible. And, and she said, yeah, but they're dead. So either she was pranking me, but it didn't seem like a prank um, or somebody was lying to me. And so a week later, my carpet cleaner shows up the door. He's wearing a mask and I'm giving him a hard time. I said, hey, you know, if you got vaccinated, double vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. I said, why are you wearing a mask? Haven't you? you Oh, I thought it was for the carpet dust. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. He never wore a mask before. And so, uh, so I'm giving him the whole party line. And this is in early May of 2021. And he's, he told me he couldn't get a second shot. And I said, why not? And he said, because I had a, had a heart attack uh, two minutes after I got the shot. And I, and I almost died. And I spent the night in the hospital. And I have, I have never been the same since. So it's like somebody ringing your door telling you, dude, 
the this vaccine is unsafe. That is a I'm 66 years old. I've never had an experience like that in my life. And to have these experiences happen within a week of each other, there is no possible way that this vaccine was safe. Well, to I mean, be honest, that you know, me as an epidemiologist speaking is that's the numerator, but what's the denominator? How many people in in your life if they had had that happen, would have reported to you, you know, among your hundreds of, of relatives and friends, close friends? Uh, probably pretty small, right? So to to actually experiencing, you're basically like um, having three deaths in the family is like a, you know, one in a billion. Uh, uh, well, it's more than that. It's like it, it, the vaccine is supposed to be one in a million. Okay. So the chances that um, she can have three of these you know, in a row, essentially, it's not quite, you know, 10 to the 18th, one in 10 to the 18th. But, you know, it's, I, I kind of did an order of magnitude calculation. I said, wait a minute, that's, that's like, either somebody's lying to me, or the, um, either she's lying to me, or these vaccines are not safe. I mean, it can't be both, right? I only needed one anecdote to convince me. Right, because that that's too much of a black swan event. If she's telling me the truth, you can't have three relatives die in a week after getting the vaccine. It's too the proximity to the vaccine is just too, um, you know. It, 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 I agree with you. The proximity of the vaccine is a very strong signal. But my question, playing devil's advocate here, of course. Okay, of course. Is is that? Um, no, you have to argue from the other side in order to refute the other side's objections because you have to work through all the possible explanations. So the other the the point is not that those events weren't caused by the vaccine, but what is the frequency of those events among all the people among your family members who took the vaccine? So if you have, say, 150 family members you might have known about and, and close friends and so on, then if there had been three or four among those it's still, it, you know, it's still infrequent, but it's but it's not rare. And this is my problem as an epidemiologist, because for me, when the government says something is rare and uh, infrequent or rare, they're talking about one in 10,000, one in 100,000, something like that. So one in if, a million. Or maybe, sure. And it, if you're doing a public health intervention where you have a serious risk that many people are going to be harmed and you have an intervention to prevent that, the question really is what is the, the magnitude of the risk from the intervention versus what is the magnitude of risk without the intervention? And so I and if it's only one in ten thousand, would you knowing that you had um some possible amorphous but serious risk that you might be facing, would you take a product? that had a one in 10,000 chance of harming you. So you as an individual would say, sure, I've got a 99.99% chance, you know, that it'll be harmless and I'll be protected, right? As well, an individual. I, I, as an individual uh, in the future, I will always make the risk benefit calculation myself based on data uh, that I probably would end up collecting myself in right. order to assess it, because I don't trust the government, I don't trust the health authorities. And well, I, I agree with you. Right I agree, with you. but let, let let's wait to get there because those are that's even more important. But but what I'm arguing is that you might make a decision for yourself that's reasonable, even though there's a small but non-zero chance of harm. 
But when you multiply that by 300 million people, you know, then you're going to have 30,000 people who are seriously injured or killed by that intervention that was rare for you, but not rare among 300 million people. And that's the problem with public health, that public health needs to be better than one in 10,000. It needs to be exquisitely good when you're doing things for the entire population. It's not like you're treating sick people who have a 30% chance of dying in the next six weeks unless they take this risky vaccine that might have a 10% chance of killing them, but a 90% chance of saving them. You understand that that if the risk that you're facing is very high, as it can be in clinical medicine, you're going to take serious risks. And that's sound judgment. But if you're treating healthy people, there's no point in doing that. Healthy people have no risks or virtually no risk. And so you're not going to do anything that has more than the most smallest possible risk because it's outweighed. Um, Sure. So, but the issue here was simply one of, I was told by the government that the vaccine might could not possibly kill fewer than one per million. And I had standing in front of me a single anecdote from someone who had no reason to lie to me, saying basically saying that the vac- she is basically telling me that they're lying to you about the safety of the vaccine. And once that happens, then all trust is out the window for me. And I didn't know her. So I thought there's a potential that it could have been pranked, even though there was no rational reason for it. So my tendency was, mm, I think this is like a 90% chance that there's something there. And I started looking at the Vera's data. But when when Tim Damroth showed up on my door with a mask on, that, that put me over the edge. That was like, no, 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 this is, you know, uh, there are too many coincidences here. And that's just not right. So I immediately, you know, started looking and, and looking at the VAERS system. And I was appalled as soon as I looked at the VAERS system and opened that up. And it was like, man, these things were, were flashing safety signals up the wazoo. And, and it's like, wow, nobody in the government is paying attention to this. And so this was, and, and then they tried to gaslight me. I, I talked to Janet Woodcock and they said, oh, well, you just don't understand VAERS. You know, you're not an expert on VAERS. You know, it's underreported and blah, blah, blah. And and they try to gaslight you into thinking that you're not an expert and the experts have it um, all figured out. So I said, oh, really? So explain to me how I got it wrong, because I'd, I'd like to you know, understand here how you could possibly have so many of these deaths certainly being reported to the VAERS system. And with their explanation was you don't understand VAERS, you're not an expert and and blah, blah. So there was never an explanation forthcoming from the FDA on how this data could be there. And so it's like, you know, look, y- you can't gaslight me. <laughs> I'm a, and by the way, we're not giving you any other data that you could use that also shows the same thing that Bears does, even though we have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they don't even measure it. You know, so it turns out, so you know, that was very early on my on my journey uh, with the FDA. And, and they very quickly stopped talking to me because they couldn't answer any of my questions. And so, you know, further on the uh, down the road, I I learned that the CDC doesn't have any vaccination data from any of the states. And I talked to the head of media relations at the at the CDC, and I said, "So, how come you like? I don't get it. Why don't you have vaccination?" He said, "He said Congress doesn't give us the 
authority to get vaccination data from the states. Or the money, said, by the way. Or yeah, the okay. money. Well, whatever. And 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 so I said, have you tried asking nicely? Have you called up Governor Newsom and said, hey, can you really could can help us out here? Is there any way you can, you know, send over this data, you know, for the COVID vaccines? Because we want to show, we want to figure out our job is to protect the public. Um, which it's not. Um, and so could you could you please send over the files? We want to analyze them or make the or make the heck, make the data public, make the public health data public, and then everybody can analyze the data and uh, we then we don't want to put resources on it and and we'll see uh, if these vaccines are safe. No, it, it, the, so the answer was, no, we haven't asked them nicely. And and he just was like a robot saying, we don't have the authority to ask for the information. I said, yeah, yeah, but the, just because you don't have the authority doesn't mean you can't ask for the information. This is important to know because without the mortality information, you or sorry, the vaccination information, you can't calculate whether the vaccines have caused excess deaths. You're just kind of You've got too many confounders going on. But once you have the vaccination date and you couple it with the death date, you know instantly whether you have a safe vaccine or not. So the CDC has never done this. So I contacted my my state ep- epidemiologist, Erica Pan. And so I'm saying like, hey, Erica, you know, um, would you you know work with me on a data transparency bill so we can get this public health data public? And she she's like no 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 you you have to work with blah, 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 and you know refers me to my uh, uh, my senator I, I talked to my senator uh, Josh Becker um, I'm on the phone two hours with him saying hey data transparency public health data that's going to make things better for people and he says yeah but I'm I'm not that this is not something I'm I'm interested in in pursuing you know and basically end of conversation there so I I I I send an email to Erica Pan I say hey Erica. Do you believe in transparency of public health data? And that was it. She never <laughs> spoke to me ever again. So look, we have a disaster here. They they keep these records private. And in fact, I learned in California, they don't even have the vaccination records linked up with the death record. So when someone dies, they don't even know when the person was vaccinated. So the Oh, public- but they have the vaccination records linked up with your restaurant records. Yeah, yeah right, right. So, but, you know, the, the most important thing is vaccination. When were you last vaccinated and when did you die? Because if you just know those things and, and know the age and maybe the, the, the batch number and the, and the type of vaccine, then you can instantly figure out whether these vaccines are safe and effective or not. And you can't get it from the states and it's not published anywhere. No government authority publishes it. But I did find out that there is at least one government authority that does link it. They link the the death data with the vaccination data. So they know when you were died and and and, and vaccinated for everyone who died. But they keep it under wraps. Nobody can get to it. So this this critical data is kept under lock and key. It is kept from people like you and me who who are just interested in exposing the truth. Because if I'm wrong, hey, I'll admit it, but why are you hiding the data? Hiding the data just makes me really a lot more suspicious. And I'm like a dog on a bone here because I am not going to rest until I get that data. And so because I, 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 was, I wasn't able to get this data, 
I said, okay, if they're not going to give me the data, I'm going to get it myself. And so I went on my Substack and I used Airtable to draft up a, a survey that I sent to all my Substack followers. And I have, you know, there are uh, hundreds of thousands of people that read my Substack. And I asked them, hey, if you know anyone who died 2021 and beyond of any age, six months and older, because I just wanted to limit it to the people who were potentially uh, vaccinated. And just tell me about the, tell me about the death. Tell me the person's name. Tell me the person's age. Tell me blah, blah, blah. And I'm just asking for information. I'm not telling them how I'm using the information. I'm just saying, hey, I want to know. I want to know the details. And and um, you know, you can uh, we'll keep the names private and and all this. And if you want to make it public, that's fine too. If you have an uh, uh, obit you want to share, and I'm asking them for all sorts of things. I'm asking them like, hey, am I sending you too many sub stacks? You know, so nobody could figure out why I was asking these questions. So if you can't figure that out, you can't game the survey. And they didn't have any time to game the survey either because it was done in tw- it was uh, one and done in like twenty four hours. So you also asked them whether they had, the person had ever had COVID, I think. Um, you know, I, I didn't. Um, uh, that wasn't one of the questions I asked. Okay. Be interesting. But but I assumed it would be pretty much randomly distributed, you know, and I was just looking for a signal in the data. And I figured that this vaccine, because it's so obvious to people that something is going on here, when people perceive this, it has to be like this huge effect in the data. You can't hide stuff like this. So I don't need to um, figure out uh, whether they, um, uh, there, there are lots of things I could have asked. Do you have diabetes? You know, what, what okay. are your. All right. All right. Let's say. Yeah. So. So actually, um, why don't we, we're actually a, a commercial break point. So let's take a break. We'll have our commercial and then we'll be right back. So everybody, please stay tuned. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with oxy powder it's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas bloating and occasional constipation there's a reason why oxy powder is our number one seller it worked go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15 percent off using the code OUTLOUD. global healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally Welcome back. This is Dr. Harvey Risch with Mr. Steve Kirsch. So we were just talking about the survey that he conducted about getting data that the CDC has or the states have in any of it and refuse to, to make public and refuse to analyze and re- refuse to be transparent about. So you're talking about your survey. Yeah, so I, um, they wouldn't provide it, so there, I had no recourse. The only way to get the data, at the data that you could trust, is to collect it yourself, and so that's what I did. I collected it myself in a um, in a very systematic way. Everybody got asked the same questions. Uh, the questions were read over by survey experts to make sure they were unbiased. Nobody knew what I was what I was going to get to, so nobody could you know skew the answer to give me the answer that I wanted because they didn't know what answer I wanted. They had no idea why I was asking all these questions, 
And so I analyzed the data and I got a preliminary result. And I said, whoa, huge signal here. First 28 days, this thing's like three times bigger than any of the bars. Because what's supposed to happen here is it, the way I analyze the data is you look at, at when the person got last got vaccinated and you look at how many days uh, until they died. And you have to look at basically um, uh, each vaccination uh, time. Uh, uh, you have to to realize that, you know, for example, if you got dose number one and I looked at that and, and you know, at first I didn't kind of put two and two together, but, you know, I was first looking at dose number one data and I was seeing that, wow, man, this is awesome. Everybody's dying in like the first 21 days and nobody's dying after that. This thing is a killer. Look, the first 21 days, everybody dies. And then, then it goes back to, you know, flat lines to normal. And I was thinking when I, when I was first looking at this data, and this is, this is like, you know, I don't know, a year ago when I first uh, started looking at data like this, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what a huge signal. And it was an artifact. Do you know why? Why no. people for the first shot, they always die all, all in the, the first 21 days. Oh, because they get a second shot twice That's right. days. Exactly. Exactly. And so you have to be aware of stuff like this that says, okay, you know, the, after 21 days, they're going to go into the, I got shot number two group. And so nobody, all these people are leaving the shot number one group. And so nobody's dying in the shot number one group after 21 days, because a lot of the 80% of the people have left. They left for the shot number two group. And so so the way I analyze it now is to say, okay, I'm going to just look at shot number one uh, just on its own. And I'll look at it on a, you know, the day by day bars and see if I uh, see a signal. But the big signals are in shot number two, three, four, five, six, which I can add together because typically people don't get, um, when they get their uh, their shots, they're like six months apart or eight months apart or sometimes five months apart. And so the first five months or so or six months, that should be total flatline. In other words, the number of deaths um, per week, per day, um, uh, per qu quarter, you know, whatever. It I mean, should be a uniform distribution. It should be a uniform distribution, which means um, exactly the same number of deaths. If there are five deaths on, on day one, there are five deaths on day two, and by day three, day four, I mean, it'll be the same number of deaths every day. It's going to go up and down and you know, we're going to have some variations. It's a Poisson distribution. So each of these numbers is going to go, you know, if they're small numbers, there's going to be a lot more variation than, than if there were larger numbers. So right. With, within, a, within a few months, that's that's correct. There's no age changes that, that matter in this. Yeah. And, you know, there is, there is seasonality, right? So if everybody was vaccinated in January, uh, that's old, the old people tend to have seasonal mortality differences. And so you have to take that into account. And so when I analyze the data, I analyze, I say, oh, let's look at, you know, 60 year olds and above. Let's look at, at 50 year olds and below. Let's see if we see signals in both of those groups. Let's look at, you know, we, we slice and dice the data all sorts of different ways. And no matter how, how I sliced and diced it, uh, vac vaccination number, uh, age group, whatever, I'm still seeing this huge signal on the first month. That is impossible if it is not caused by the vaccine. There is no observer bias or whatever. And the reason for that is very important is, uh, you know, people say, oh, you, you, you're serving your anti-vaxxer friends and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're picking the death that was the, uh, the vaccine death, the, the guy who died right after he got the vaccine. And that's the one they're reporting. And that's completely false. 
because I said in my survey, and people respected this. I mean, they were they were actually upset that they couldn't answer the survey because they didn't know detailed information. I said, do not make a report unless you know the date the guy was the person was vaccinated, the date that they died, and how old they were, and what shot number they were on. You know, because zero, one, two, three, you know, whatever. You have to know the information. And if you do that, then please report what you know. And you can guess on the other stuff, but don't guess on the dates. And so I'm getting, normally I'll get like 12,000 responses in a survey that I do. And on this one, I got, I was getting like 300 and I'm, I'm like, maybe they, maybe I sent it out at the wrong time of day. And, and, and then it was very clear from the comments that people were saying, you know, gosh, I have like, you know, three people that died uh, that I know, but I don't know their last vaccination date, or I don't know which vaccine they were on, or I don't know this. And so I couldn't fill out your survey. So this is why I got so got so few surveys, because most people had nobody that qualified. And the people that reported then would have like one person that qualified. So there is no way that people could say, mm, I better not report this one because I don't want to screw up Steve's stats because I didn't even know I was what I was using the thing for. So they don't know whether they're screwing things up. So they're just reporting deaths that happened over the last three years. And it's and, and, and people can't go back in time and kill somebody at the exact time that I wanted. You know, nobody's going to do that for me. You know, like I'm grateful if they fill out the survey, but nobody's going to travel back in time and kill somebody right, you know, a week after they got the vaccine, just so they can fill out the survey and provide evidence that this happened. And then they travel back to the, to the future and then, you know, fill out the form. Doesn't happen that way. And these guys uh, who are anti-vaxxers, uh, mostly that that follow me, they become, they, the, 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 the criticism people say is, oh, they, they became anti-vaxxers because somebody got a COVID vaccine in their household. Um, they died, they realized that the vaccine caused the death, and then they went and, and signed up for Steve Substack. So anybody who signs up for Steve Substack is going to have a death that is days after the vaccine, you know, or a week after, or a month after, or whatever. And so I did the survey to find out. And it turns out that it was, I don't know, it's like 95% of the people that follow me, they, they knew the vax was dangerous before the COVID vaccines rolled out. Well, I so, think you also got rid of the data from the immediate family or something like that from the- Well, I have it I have it categorized so that um, um, they report what the relationship was um, with the, the person who was deceased. So, so you can get rid of some of that that possible bias of, of not- Yeah, yeah. But, you, but see, see, the best way to eliminate bias is, is, is this technique that I, I just kind of figured out, which is to say, hey, you don't have to believe me, folks. You can run this survey yourself on your own friends. And health, public health officials can run it on their community. So- Susan or um, Sarah Cody in uh, Santa Clara County could go and send off a, a, a do do a, a story saying, "Hey, we need everybody's help here, whatever." Or she could just look at the records because she, I'm sure, she has access to the vaccination records and death records. In you know, in one day or in hours or minutes, she could know exactly what is going on, and she could be blowing the whistle on this. So anybody can verify this data, and nobody is and when nobody's verifying the data, because if the data was positive, Harvey, 
everybody would be talking about it. This would be on CNN every night. The CDC would be talking about this. The FDA would be talking about this. The drug companies would be talking about this. And everybody would want to be taking my money because I, I've been betting people that uh, the vaccines have killed more people than they've saved. And I've bet a million dollars on it. Nobody would take me up on my million dollar offer. Now, if they had the data, there's no reason for them not to, to do that. And but if they had other data, if they had data that disproved it, then they would be out there with the data disproving it. Absolutely. The, the trolls would say, see, that, look at, the, no. look at the, this data is publicly available and it proves you're wrong. Right. So I don't trust uh, public health data that's, that is uh, disclosed to the public. In fact, the data that's the most trustable, what I learned is the data that's most trustable is the data that they're not wanting you to pay attention to. So there's this paper in, in JAMA uh, that's published in, I think it's April of, of 23. And it's a VA study, and they looked at people who got hospitalized for, um, uh, for the flu, and they got hospitalized for COVID. And they got admitted into the study, and this is a uh, 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 a retrospective uh, study, you know. So they didn't actually enroll people; they just, you know, studied the data. But basically, they enrolled people who checked in the hospital for either COVID or the flu, but not both. And they looked at the characteristics of the two cohorts, and they, and they and in the paper they said oh, baseline characteristics, you know, table number one, baseline characteristics of the people in the study, and they'll go through the columns and they say, you know, what the average age, what the sex mix is, uh, or gender mix, um, you know, all this stuff and um, what their blood pressures are. And then they talk about the vaccination status. And so you're going through that and, and you're looking at it and say, you say, Oh, wow, those are really well-matched groups, you know? And, and so they said, Oh yeah, you know, we're going to go do this uh, Cox uh, propensity or hazard score uh, stuff. Right. right. Um but they were they were matched before they did they the, were matched the, before the the, the the matching process the yes and so the matching process to me didn't matter right in fact it, it was immaterial when they when they looked at the they matched one of the groups and they distorted that group with respect to the other group and what happened is that the stats of the mat once you're matched it didn't really materially change so as you as you have have advised me, it's you can just simply look at the raw data, and the fact that the raw data was perfectly matched on the vac vaccines that is impossible if the vaccines worked. And so he to keep people out of the hospital. That's right. He inadvertently revealed, published in JAMA, using gold standard VA data. And this guy's a top epidemiologist at the VA. He's got an H index like 77 or something. And so this is a top academic at the VA using VA data, gold standard data in a journal, gold standard journal, and publishes it and shows that, oh, wow, you got admitted for COVID. Your, your vaccination profile is exactly the same as if you were admitted for the flu. Except and, the COVID people had COVID vaccines and the flu people didn't or yeah. whatever they had. Yeah. So, the, but the the point is that if the vaccines worked, there'd be a differential between the the percentage of people in the flu vaccine group. It'd be much lower of uh, uh, people vaccinated because, of course, if you're not vaccinated, you're going to get hospitalized. And conversely, in the other group, in in if you're hospitalized for COVID, should have a really low. Um, number of people who are vaccinated for for covid in dose number one dose number two dose and dose number three uh booster 
They were the same. They were, in fact, they were, Harvey, they were identical for every single one. Between the flu and the COVID people, that's right. Yeah. And but 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 more so, even on the dose level, there were equal numbers of people with dose number one, equal number of people with dose number two, equal number of people with the booster. And in fact, the closest match was the booster. Mm-hmm. In other words, the booster is a complete failure. For keeping people out of the hospital. For That's keeping right. people out of the hospital. And so then you have to work backwards from that. And, and if you work backwards from that and say, okay, it's a net zero from infection plus hospitalization benefit, you know, you multiply those two together and you basically get one because there's, there's basically no effect. And, and so the only way you could get there is it, is it to, to, to effectively no effect is if the uh, benefit or the risk of infection is, is completely equal and opposite to the hospitalization effect. Right? So the, to the risk of being hospitalized in a person who's already infected. Exactly. That's right. So you have two steps. You have getting infected, and then once infected, getting hospitalized given that you're infected. Each right. one has a relative benefit or harm, and they either cancel each other out or they're both one, both both. Right, not. right. And the right. chance that, that both of these vaccines could exactly cancel each other out in terms of the the they, the benefit exactly cancels out the risk is like zero. Okay? Well, that's really hard. Know, I mean, I think that there's evidence now, though over longer term, that that the the COVID vaccines result in negative efficacy for infection. That uh, correct, it, yes, I agree, people, I agree with that. I agree and, with that. And yeah. um, and, yeah. and, and fact, it, so it's a, there's a small there's a small negative and there's a small positive, and so what yeah. happens is. You know they weren't exactly zero. There's there, there was clearly a negative benefit in terms of um, uh, you're more likely to be infected if you're uh, getting the COVID vaccines, and that was very clear from the Cleveland Clinic study. And so, y- if you got a zero, then there is a tiny benefit from hospitalization, but basically the net benefit is zero. Right, right. I think they it, it's these are not major risks, even in the negative efficacy. It, it goes right. up, but it and, it's, and you can see it, but it's not such a great hazard. Yes. Yeah. So, so then, then you can, then you go and, and you look at, at the research, the medical research, and you, you look at these papers and, and I talked to Byron uh, Bridal, who's a, an expert on virology and vaccines. And I asked him as well, I says, Hey, Hey, uh, Byron, is, is there a mechanism whereby you have zero effect on infection, zero effect on hospitalization, and you have this huge, big, uh, mortality effect. He says, no, there's, that, that doesn't exist in, in biology. It, it might, it's possible it could exist, but we've never seen it before. And so I said, interesting. And then I looked at the stats on, on uh, other studies that have been done. And in every single case, the hospitalization benefit is always lower, or sorry, the, the mortality benefit is always lower than the hospitalization benefit. So if your hospitalization benefit is zero, the only thing lower than zero for the mortality benefit is zero. So this paper accidentally disclosed that the COVID vaccines don't do anything. And not only that, the flu vaccines don't do anything. And everybody who read this paper completely missed it. I contacted the author. I said, um, and in fact, you were, you were CC'd on this email. I said, hey, what's, what, you know, 
FT, you know, WTF. Uh, <laughs> like, it looks like nothing's going on here. Am I missing something? And he writes back this thing saying, well, you know, technically we didn't study that because we didn't have a control group and we don't know what the before was. And then I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But come on, you know, we're big boys here and the two groups match. And, and you read that and you had this great interpretation of it, which I, I could summarize and say it was uh, something like, well, you, he, he, uh, he's admitting to you that you're right, but he can't, he, he just can't say it. Right, right. Or he wouldn't have been able to publish that. He it's unremarked in the in the, the manuscript itself. Right. Yeah. There was no no call out in the manuscript that says, oh, he accidentally proved that uh these vaccines don't work. So it's this it's this like most embarrassing paper of 2023 published in JAMA because it shows inadvertently if you're a critical thinker, you look at the data and you look at the paper and you say, Oh my gosh, this this paper uh, blows the whistle on the COVID vaccines and the flu vaccines and nobody even noticed. Yeah. So we got to, we have to take another break. So we're going to take a commercial break and be read right back. Please stay tuned. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back. This is Dr. Harvey Rich with Mr. Steve Kirsch. We were just talking about this a study in, in JAMA on from the VA that basically showed in the table, unremarked by the authors, but showed in the table that there was no net benefit against being hospitalized for either the flu vaccine for flu or the COVID vaccine for COVID. And that this was in the paper is, is remarkable enough, but it shows that the editors, the authors, the reviewers, nobody's thinking, what does this mean? You know, it's interesting that when I told, when I was teaching before I, I retired, I would tell my PhD students that when you sit down with a paper, then you review a paper, do not believe the conclusions of the authors. You, you're going to read the methods, you can read the abstract, but then read the methods 
and then think about that and then go and look at the results and the tables and draw your own conclusions and then read the discussion of the authors to see if their conclusions are the same as your conclusions because you'll find about half the time that your conclusions will be different that they'll be they may be different in entirely as to the things you think are significant or are, are fatally flawed or they may be different in degree where the authors are proclaiming the, the greatest things in sliced bread and you're saying well it was barely statistically significant with a relative risk of 1.5 why are they making such a fuss over it you know and it's astonishing how many times this actually bears out in looking at the scientific literature that people journals make authors write disclaimers they make them tone down the strength of their conclusions they make them comport with agendas the authors know that if they say something strident like this shows that the vaccines don't do anything they know that they won't get it published that you know it'll get trounced out because it's it's anti-message and authors basically capitulate to those things and i'm surprised you know and now this author is probably thinking oh my god if i write a letter to the editor saying hey by the way you readers out there did you notice this that and this also shows that the vaccines are are kind of useless and uh, then the, then the journal will come back and, and say omg how did we let this slip out there we're going to have to retract the paper yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yep you know so um so basically we have as our baseline here proved in JAMA for us using gold standard data. And I don't think there's any data that I've ever seen that is higher gold standard than the than this VA data. Well, or... the, the UK data before they stopped making it public was showing the uh, risk of infection, hospitalization and mortality in vaccinated by number, by shot number. I think it was one, two and three or more versus unvaccinated. And they did that through the end of March, 2022, if I recall right. And then, and it was looking bad for them. Then. They May, were already May. seeing the infections were higher, greater infection risk in vaccinated than unvaccinated. And so they, they made a proclamation in the last few editions of, of that um, weekly uh, brochure saying, we don't want readers to misinterpret these data because these people are not, um, uh, their behaviors are different and their behaviors are confounding these differences as as if unvaccinated people were quiver, you know quivering in in their homes afraid to go out and vaccinated people were drinking it up at the bars there you go yeah um and, and yeah, it's just some, not enough of that how non-covid all cause mortality uh, change between the groups right because right. the non-covid all cause mortality should be, should have been exactly the same right but anyway, the, so so, the so they were freaking out. And so they basically said, because we don't think you can, you know how to interpret these data, meaning uh, in our way, that you, you know, therefore we're not going to put the data out altogether. And so and so they stopped publishing. But before that, the data were good. And they well, we can we, have, can we we can have another episode on that. Well, that's true. Uh Norman Fenton has, has made some comments about the yeah, data. I'm, also. I'm with Norman. Yes. Um but but in any event, they have come the closest to making some data available that are examinable to, to bear on this question. And the other thing I would point out is the VAERS data, as untrustworthy, so to speak, as they are, show peaks in mortality on the first or second day after vaccination and then declining over the next seven to 10 days. 
And I have always thought, well, that's because if if your relative dies on the day of vaccination or the next day, it's obvious that it came from the vaccine. And so you report it. But five days later, it maybe it's a little less obvious. And so you're less likely to report it. The same kind of artifact that you find in your data, but without the 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 the, the reporting system, without the, the questioning system, you know, that, that does that. Interestingly enough, that in the VARES data, there is one outcome that does not peak on the first day, it peaks on the second day. And that is, um, I, I've forgotten now, it's either clots or allergic reactions. And these are things that are known to be delayed by 24 to 36 hours after the vaccination. And indeed, it shows that in the VARES data that the first day is elevated, the second day is elevated more, and this is different than all of the other outcomes that peak on the first day. So again, it, there is some real data in there. And just because it's not 100% trustworthy because of the reporting artifacts and issues, doesn't mean there isn't a signal there that's been gaslit by our public health agencies. Yep. And so, and it's hard when you look at VARES because this uh, the, the reporting is not consistent. It, it, you know, if you have something happen in the first day after you get the shot, you're more likely to report it than the second day, uh, third day, or fourth Well, that's day. the point. That's the point. Yeah. And then there's an artifact at, at seven days because people say it was about a week, you know, yep. and, and exactly. And so little... Yeah. So it's, so it's hard to tease out exactly what's going on. And the UK data is, is similar uh, in, in that respect, because you're looking at, well, who got the, like, if you look at fourth dose in the UK data, you, you'll see like for young people, like 18 to 39, you'll see like a four times higher mortality for people who got the fourth shot. And uh, some people will uh, uh, make um, a light of that and say, look, you know, you got the fourth shot. Look at these young people who got the fourth shot and they're, you know, four times more likely to die. But the people, the only people who are eligible for the fourth shot are the uh, the people who are immune compromised, and so the, and those people uh, do have higher mortality, but it's not four times. But the problem, of course, is that the UK data doesn't uh, tease that out for you, so right. you have to guess. Okay, so you know someone got the third boost, someone got the third booster. Are these people health seeking or not? And so no, it's people who wear masks in their cars when they're by themselves. Yeah. So what you know what should happen is that the if you looked at the uh non-covid um all uh essentially the non-covid all-cause mortality not the all-cause mortality but the non-covid deaths then for a given age group if you looked at all of the categories they have they have second dose less than 21 days ago second dose more than 21 days ago third dose or booster less than 21 days ago Blah blah blah. And they got all these categories, and the numbers um, for a given age range um, should be identical. Then, in um, as, as you go through that, because it's non-COVID, you know, the vaccine's only supposed to protect you from COVID. It's not supposed to increase all-cause mortality, right? Right. And so, when you see this variation um, of a factor of two. <laughs> for the same age range, if you were unvaccinated versus if you got your first dose or whatever, and it, it's it's a factor of two, there's something seriously wrong with the data, right? Because the vaccine wasn't touted as a fountain of youth or, or it's not supposed to affect mortality at all. 
it, the, the non-COVID all-cause mortality for all these people should have been roughly the same. But it's not. It's not. No, it's systematically not. It's these are not just random fluctuations. That's right. Yeah. The numbers yeah, I mean, are so. So, so the, the, you know, that's why I say the UK. You know, good for them. They had the right. They did like this time series cohort analysis. They they did it right. They had these buckets. The problem is they got to choose the buckets. You know, and they never made the record level data available uh, to anybody so that we could double check everything. And. I asked them about that and they said, oh, well, it would be like a, a violation of uh, um, privacy and we're not allowed to do that. And uh, I said, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, there, there are ways you can uh, obfuscate the data and, and uh, anonymize sure that, it. That's right. Yeah, anonymize yeah, it. Exactly. to the, the dates. And, yeah. the one. And, then, and then you know what happened after I suggested that there's a way for them to do it and still comply with the law? They stopped talking to you? They stopped talking to me. Exactly right. See, you didn't. I didn't even have to get, tell you the answer, but you you knew it ahead of time. You're like a mind reader. They stopped talking to me when I suggested that there's a way to do it. You know, they didn't even come back to me and and say, ah, uh, but that would cost five hundred thousand dollars. And then I would have said, deal. Right here's the check because <laughs> I really want this data. I'm like a dog in a boat. Right. So anyway, so. Um, we have like uh, how much? Uh, we have what? Ten minutes left. Yeah, and, seven uh, minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, but let's talk about what happens. So you can't get the data from the the public health officials. Plus, it's not even clear that you can trust that data anyway, right? Because I've looked at the Medicare data in the U.S. and it's pretty crappy. Um, the U.S. Uh, the, the the U.K. data, you know, that doesn't work either. The the stuff they disclose. I don't know about the record level data because I've never seen it because they don't disclose it either. So. So I was forced to go and collect the data myself. And believe me, this is this is like nobody else will do it. I mean, I can't even get anybody else to run my survey to collect the data. I can't get anyone else to collect the survey. I mean, I could go to these online firms, right, which do the survey stuff, but you end up getting garbage back. People who fill who do these online surveys, if they're not your your followers, they, their loyalty is to is to the paycheck. And so they basically like check the boxes, whatever. And well, you know, you you be doing a study like Boulware, who you know, uh, David Boulware, who did his hydroxychloroquine study by collecting people on the internet, and we have no idea who those people were, whether they were real people or not, and what they had. They, you know, it's just like it's just complete fantasy for all. Yeah, these. yeah, yeah. But they, I, but he, but the result was correct. I mean, it showed that hydroxychloroquine actually worked when you took the the FedEx. The shipping the time, into time that's right into account that's right which our friend uh uh david uh wiseman um figured out yes and and then bulware stopped talking to him and <laughs> you know right. and then the journal stopped talking to bulware even though bull or, or sorry into to wiseman because wiseman was right yeah okay but let's get let's get to this um <clears throat> this data um that i did so i collected the data and what did i find i found that there's a basically the, the the simplest thing is there is a three you're three times higher in the first month to die than in than in the other months the other months are flat and the first month is three x higher than the other months that's that's a that is a signal that means that instead of say uh 12 deaths per year um, uh, a flat line, you have sort of two extra deaths in the first month, which means you have it's 14 over 12. And if you look at 14 over 12, it's 16.6%. Uh, um, 
uh, annualized death rate, but some people are getting these shots every six months. So this thing is a train wreck. When I saw these results, I saw them yesterday and I, I said, okay, well, let me let the survey run. I only had like 300 and then I had 500 in the morning. And, and no, it's you haven't sent me the results here. You only sent me the 300 results. Oh, no, no you, I, I, I'll send you a link to the, uh, uh, to the latest. So now you have 500. The numbers are big enough. You know, you do the uh, Poisson estimates. You know, you, the, 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 the trick is for, for people who don't know is that if you have 100 um, measurements, uh, you take the square root of 100. And that's essentially your standard deviation. And so if you're, that will tell you roughly, you know, what kind of variation there, there is in the data for you to have statistical significance. So you can, if you can survive two standard deviations, uh, it's pretty much, uh, you have a, a strong signal there. So when you have a hundred, you're looking at a hundred and you're looking at, 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 at 20, um, you know, so, so I knew I had a statistically significant result there this was this was not random chance and you could see from the numbers you could see kind of the noise for the other numbers but but this thing is like uh off the charts there is no question and there's no way for for this to have happened because everybody reports like just one death because they only so they can't collaborate with each other because nobody knows what the other guy was doing they never had time to collaborate they couldn't game the system because i can verify all the results and so i have this this result, which I would bet like $10 million if anyone would take my bet. And, and, and that is a, that is a super high probability, um, you know, and people, people try to gaslight me saying, oh, it's interested survey can be gained, blah, blah, blah. But come on, nobody has suggested a way for these results to have come in the way they came in because you could only get this if if you're oh well the only way is if 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 the person is I'm so angry that this vaccine killed my brother I'm going to say it happened on the day after he died the day after he took it because I'm yeah. so angry well I I'm, mean does that but, make any sense I'm so angry it happened two months afterwards I think it was from the vaccine yeah but um you can the thing is that you can verify you go in and and I said look you know this is not some unscientific survey because. In science, to be a scientific survey, you have to be able to have independent verification of the events. And I have the name of the person, and I have their uh, obituary, and I have a family member who will provide all the information so it can be independently verified. Every single answer there can be independently verified. And so this is not no longer a survey of anecdotes or what have you. It is a systematic collection of data points, all of which are 100% independently verifiable. And huh. they're objective things. We are not asking people to, to, we did not ask people, hey, do you think they died from the vaccine? We're basically asking, what date did they die? You know, and that's a really sub objective thing. What age were they when they died? And how many vaccines did they get? Okay, so it's not like you can, you know, fudge this thing. And plus, they didn't even know what I was asking for. So the bottom line is this. Let me tell you some of the conclusions from this particular study. There were You were um, over 15% more likely to die if you got the COVID uh, vaccine from a, a basically 15% higher uh, all-cause mortality. That is a train wreck. These people should be like jumping all over themselves to yeah, take that's within the first it. month after vaccination yeah in the first it, yeah. yeah well no 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 sorry that that's annualized right because oh, okay. it was three times higher in the first month and so if you annualize that out okay it's essentially like an like elevating it for 15 percent 
uh, for the year. So it's like if you take the U.S. numbers uh, of people who got the vaccine and, and look at the mortality, that's like 0.8%. And you multiply that by 15, 15% and you take 15% higher that, you know, then you're looking at like 400,000 uh, you know, some say, so, I don't know, 8%, uh, 3 million people, or it's somewhere, somewhere on the order of 3 million people a year dying. So if you took 15% uh, of that, um, it's like, you know, you're looking at 450,000 people a year. So it's, you know, 900,000 over two years. But oh, it's, you know, like it's, tobacco deaths. Huh? it's just like tobacco deaths. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a, a high number of deaths it is like this is the the government has killed more people on this vaccine than i think than on any other vaccine that i'm aware of yeah well so unfortunately we're out of time and this is a, a great place to leave it as the final message of that that the government has killed more people on this vaccine than anything else we've experienced in our lifetime that is that yeah, yeah. Is and true. it's also they've killed th- three and a half times more pe- people than co- than the covid virus and yeah. but what is the worst part Harvey is this that uh 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 John uh uh Baldwin um has been looking at the the death records in a couple of states and he determined that it was a 70 times higher if you looked at at person years lost the ratio between the virus and the vaccine is 70 times so the the vaccine in terms of Oh, of course, years. because the, because the the virus is is killing elderly people, and the exactly. vaccine is killing killing younger young, to young middle aged people. people. Yes, yeah. and also fathers. Yes, uh, you know, like a twenty five year old father, yeah. right, who has his whole life ahead of him. He's just, yeah. And not only that, but they're destroying these families now who don't have a wage earner it, anymore. It is, it it is, is so tragic. Well, unfortunately, I lo- we really need to continue this conversation. It's really important, but unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So I hope our listeners have enjoyed this. Please, if you have questions for me, submit them at americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. And Steve, thank you for some really interesting, great discussions. I uh, enjoyed a lot myself. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and please come back again next week. <laughs>